Hey everybody, how's it going? So my name is John Wise, I'm the CEO of Loki uh, and one of the co-founders of Data, the Digital Asset Trade Association. Can't really pace around, I guess we got no, no mic on. But uh, yeah, I wanted to talk with you guys about new evolving uh, economic models, in particular exponential economics. I wanted to talk about a couple of things, really, really why now why blockchain, why cryptocurrency, why, why is all this making a real difference, right? And what is the impact that we're actually looking to create, right? What's the thing that's really going to change the way the whole world works? Now, before getting into that, I want to explain a little bit about what Loki essentially does, right? In the real world here, we've got gross domestic product, right? Now, within gross domestic product, the, the, the real bulk of everything, of, of most revenue, most value generated and created, all comes down to products. The bulk of it at least, about 70% or so. Right? Now products are really broken down into three things. The materials to actually create something, right? These, these are the materials that are mined from the earth. The efforts or energy, uh, the actual execution to build, create, sell, market, all of those things. And then lastly is the idea of what the product is in the first place. The invention, the technology, the, the, the intellect. Right? Now for products, the materials, we trade over commodities markets. Right? We're well aware that, that these things are traded. Sure, we have a value associated to it, and we have a fiat value associated to it. Right? But there isn't really much else there. Now the other side of things is the equities. Right? Equities markets trade all of the effort, the execution that's involved in things, right? But where are the ideas traded? This is one of the root stores of value, right? Where are the ideas traded? The ideas really aren't. The reality is, is that ideas are traded the same way that we used to trade stocks and bonds. We used to trade the equities markets. Right? They're peer-to-peer. -peer. They go through lawyers most of the time. They're extremely expensive. They're extremely difficult to do and they offer very little value. Now, just as a free market has given to the equities, so has to the ideas, right? It's been purely speculative. But what's the underlying value here? And we understand for equities markets that the underlying value is the execution. It is the effort that people have put together. Now they've all bound together into businesses or uh, corporations or all sorts of other things, right? we recognize that there is a, a fundamental value to the effort that goes in. But why is there no fundamental recognition for intellect and ideas? Right? The common adage is that ideas are worthless without execution. Well, go and talk to any business. Go and talk to any enterprise. Ask them how much they would pay for the next iPhone or the internet or an algorithm for page rank, anything like that. Right? They would pay up the wazoo. They'd pay as much as they possibly could if they knew it was going to be a thing, they would absolutely pay up the wazoo. So, why do we have this general consensus or thought that the ideas are worthless? If every business, and all of them really would, if every business is happy to pay for them, then they're obviously not, right? Now, there's a breakdown here, though, because ultimately, we think of it being execution. We think of as individuals, execution being the difficult thing, right? The, the, the hard part, and it is for individuals. It's not, however, for businesses. It's not difficult at all for them, right? Enterprises themselves are extremely good at following through. They're extremely good at executing. However, they're terrible at being nimble and innovative. 
So why not bifurcate it? So what Loki's done is that we essentially, uh, and I, this isn't a pitch, but we, we essentially figured out a way to determine the context, the crux of what something is, right? What this thing does based on the way that it's searched. I assure you I'll get back to the economics here in just a moment. But the value of this is that we're able to determine true novelty, right? What something fundamentally is. What you can do from there is understand exactly how many iterations, how many permutations, how many variants of something there will be. This is objectively understanding what is going to be thought of, what is going to be coming out in the future, right? Now, the way this is tied into economics and why my presentation is titled Exponential Economics is that if you do, are, are able to convert that and you're able to understand that novelty, you're able to understand what the value of an idea is in the first place in a purely relative fashion. So we went a little bit further, right? In our eyes, just as the phone, the telephone, was able to convert equities markets into highly liquid, open, and free markets, so can the blockchain and cryptocurrencies with intellectual property, with ideas themselves, right? If there are three stores of value, three root stores of value, the effort, the resources, and the intellect, why can't we have exchanges? Why can't we have liquidity? And why can't we have value recognition from those? Now, the reason that we've never had this before, it's not just a technical thing. The reason that we've never had an actual exchange or an open market for intellect is not because it wasn't possible. It's certainly much better now, but we had patents. We had all sorts of other ways of writing down this, this information. The reality is it hasn't been taxable, it hasn't been disclosable, and it hasn't been auditable, transparent, and yet still anonymous. You couldn't align the incentives. With blockchain, we absolutely can. Um, so again, we're, we're kind of known, Loki is kind of known as the eBay for IP. Um, we allow for people to buy and sell intellectual property, the rights, the ability to actually file a patent. Um, we're essentially selling the right to file a patent, uh, transacting it, not patents themselves. We've already been through a token sale. We did, a, we did a token generation events and a full token sale that ended um, on December 30th last year. We had thousands of participants, I think somewhere around five, 6,000 participants in it. Um, raised a good, good bit of money. Um, but we were also the first company that had ever actually proven utility. Uh, we were the first company to do a SAFT um, and quite a lot of other things. I think we were the first uh, token sale that had ever sought a no action letter. And all of this has led me to, to be involved with a lot of the regulation side as well. Um, Loki, we always sort of thought about the why is something done this way, not how is it done, not how was it done before. Um, especially in a new and emerging market like this, it's just a really good way to get yourself in trouble. Um, all that involvement with the regulators has led us to, uh, and, and led me to co-founding Data. Now, Data is the Digital Asset Trade Association. You may know, uh, you may know of us from our work in Wyoming, Colorado, Tennessee, and now we've got several other states. I've got another co-founder here somewhere, Alana Gomber. Um, we've been really kicking butt and taking it, uh, taking it state by state in a boots on the ground method. We gotta think about blockchain as the underlying infrastructure. Now, I think all of us do, right, when, when we think about the platforms themselves, but cryptocurrencies really are assets. And I wanna get into this, this exponential understanding of, of economics, right? 
if we're looking at things as a market opportunity, if we're looking at things and constantly comparing to fiat, which we still are now, right? The blockchain crypto space is still quite, quite new, it's, it's still quite young. We're still looking at things as its comparison to fiat, right? How much is Bitcoin worth in dollars? How much is ETH worth in dollars? This doesn't need to be the case. What I propose is a relative valuation, right? Purely valuing things based on contribution. Now, with intellectual property and ideas themselves, this is exactly what Loki does. We allow for people, because we understand the novelty and we understand the permutations, we allow for people to sell their ideas or the right to their idea for crypto, right? Because we understand the context, we can determine and discern if there are going to be, say, a thousand iterations of one invention. The first invention is worth 1,000 coins. The last one is worth one. When you set up the whole economic model, the way that we've done with something called the Rainmaker, what you actually end up getting is you get a uh, almost a perpetual economic motion, right, or economic perpetual motion. You get a reciprocating system here, right? It completely goes around. And the entire premise here is that what we're going after is a resource-based economy, right? Where the very value of somebody's contribution, their fundamental contribution to society actually ends up rewarding them with what they would need to consume, right? Contribution equals consumption. Those that contribute the most to society should have the most value, should have the most worth. And I don't think anybody in here would argue that fact, right? Those that build, develop, or think about the most things that actually further human civilization should get the most money or the most value. Now, within data, we're, we're really working on a couple of different things, but one of the biggest things that, that we've been pushing, and myself in particular, um, is sort of a tripod approach to regulation, especially on a state-by-state -state level. Everybody has argued the utility token functionality, and, and actually we were the first ones to ever get the U.S. government to ever recognize what a utility token actually is, right? The first time that we had ever defined it was HB70 uh, in the Wyoming House. Right. From there, though, we got to think about a couple of other ways. Right? There really are three main ways, with a fourth as a, as a wild card. The first is these utility tokens. Right? That's really a transactional currency, right? transactional coin or token. The next one is securities. Sure, right? we need to integrate with existing regulation. We need to integrate with everything else. The last one is currencies, and that's really what I'd like to focus on here, is using cryptocurrency, blockchain, or anything else as an asset-backed currency. Now we think of asset-backed currencies as something like OPEC using oil or gas, right, to actually back the underlying value of what the what the OPEC dollar is. But it doesn't need to be a resource. These are commodities-based things. Why can't it be something like intellectual property? Why can't it be something like data? You know, we have all seen these issues with Cambridge Analytica and Facebook lately. Um, why can't it be something like the ownership rights of a house? Whatever, right? These all can be asset-backed currencies. Now, I want to highlight that there's one substantial difference here between an asset-backed security, like we had with mortgage-backed securities and the whole crash of 2008, and an asset-backed currency. The only substantiating difference is that the issuing entity of the currency may never profit on the increase or decrease in value of that underlying currency or of the assets. What I'm getting at here is building an economic system that grows exponentially because all of the incentives are aligned. This is not an impossible thing, right? For something like data, you actually can have 
the individual that's able to sell these things, that's able to market it, right? That leads to a huge value add for those that are curating, creating other uses of that data, right? At the same time, the regulators now also have some advantage in knowing who people are, what things are going on, right? As well as being able to develop uh, economic systems, education based on the focuses of people that have come before. And you have the enterprises that are able to build those things and thus get value out of the execution, right? Mutually aligned incentives. This is the way. This is the way that everybody needs to be thinking. And the beauty is that with blockchain, cryptocurrency, we really can get there, right? Now, I don't really want to furiously agree with everybody here, because I'm sure everybody feels the same sort of sentiment, but I, I really want to try to push your minds as much as possible here and thinking about different ways that we conceive and, and, and perceive value. Let's go back to these inventions for a minute. If we've come up with, say, an iPhone, is it any less valuable or any more valuable in China than it is in the US? Well, when we think of it as a market, yes, absolutely. Completely different market, completely different demographics, all sorts of other issues, right? There's differences in currencies, there's differences in the materials, the shipping, the supply chain, all of these things lead to huge numbers of variables that change the actual value of things. But when you look at, at it from an objective lens, when you look at it from is this thing a technical innovation? It has the exact same value. And crypto can do exactly that for us. It is a market that never closes. It has the same valuation across the board. Right? The only time that it's different is actually when we're taking it out to fiat. So why can we not create a system that is completely valued the same all across the world? The reality is we can. Now is the time to do it. And there is nothing except us actually building these things, right? So again, real estate, the same way, right? Real estate's gonna have a different market value in different places, but if you're looking at the materials that could be mined, it's gonna have the same value based on materials. Commodities, right? essentially the same thing, intellectual property as well. So, exponential economics, right? What does this really mean? What this means is we are trying to build systems that we need to engineer and design new economic systems. That's what we're all doing here, right? new economic systems that can build upon each other, that can compound. If we align these incentives and we continue to create value, we can continue to expand these things. So I'd like to really push towards these resource-based economies. Let me explain a little bit an, eco an economic model that I would suggest that as many people as possible should use, especially in, in, in tokens. What Loki did is we created something called the Rainmaker model. You can imagine that we've got 100 100 million coin, right, 100%. 50% of that goes towards the cloud. The cloud in our case is a non-profit foundation, right? 50% of it goes into the market, right? And in our case, that was 50 million and 50 million. In that cloud, the foundation buys intellectual property, any ideas, inventions, concepts, whatever, packages them together and sells them for greater than the sum of its parts, right? In doing that, it transacts over the cryptocurrency transacts over the token. So we buy inventions for a coin, we group them together into investment pools, and we sell for a coin. So if we spent a million on, say, I don't know, a thousand inventions, and we sell those thousand inventions for 10 million, there is now a delta. But we sell those inventions to an enterprise, a bank, nation state, whoever wants it, right? They must buy all of those inventions in coin and they put up a speculative bid for that. 
However, they don't own any coin. They need to go down to the market and buy up this coin, right? Which has the potential to increase the speculative value, so on and so forth. But what they're ultimately doing is that the businesses, the enterprises, or nation states or banks are literally buying the currency from those that contributed the inventions in the first place, right? Closing this loop. The inventors sold their inventions, sold their use, their actual value add for this currency, and thus sold their currency to those that were executing on this. This ends up closing this entire loop because the inventors get value, the business potentially gets value, the enterprise gets value, the products then get created, right? get turned into things that people would consume and others would pay in potentially fiat or even in that cryptocurrency to buy that product. Literally, contribution gets value, execution has to buy it first, right? and then can sell the product. So contribution equals consumption in this case, okay? Now in our, in our case, that delta, that profit delta, because it's a non-profit organization, actually ends up raining back down, buying up any of the runs of the litter, all the small inventions that maybe didn't have any recognized value yet, buying up any invention that was staked on the blockchain but has not been able to sell, right? In turn, it means that the issuer, this is going back to that asset back currency thing, the issuer of the currency now holds potentially trillions of dollars in intellectual property assets, things that can get value over time. Right? That means that the entire ecosystem, just like mining, right, the entire ecosystem is dependent on the underlying value. However, with IP, unlike with some of the traditional mining, with IP, this is intrinsic value. These are things that actually have value in both fiat and in crypto. Right? The point of this, of all of this, is that this is the perfect way to create a transition between existing fiat markets, commodities, equities, currencies, anything else, and crypto. And we're doing that in both the regulation side as well as the business side, and the intrinsic motivation side for, for people everywhere. So, I mean, I'm a little bit short, but um, if anybody has any questions, uh, by all means. Sure. Hi, I'm Natasha. Um, I have one question, sure. especially since you bring up economics, I'm very passionate about that. As positive network effects, you know, as we get more adoption globally for these digital currencies mm -hmm. that are non fiat based, how do companies like yourself mitigate against systemic uh, interest rate risk and also systemic hyperinflation? You know, with fiat currencies, we have central banks that regulate a lot of inflation that is affecting all of our consumers. But how do digital, digital currencies, which are not regulated by any central banks, working with uh, hyperinflation? Yeah, so there are a couple ways, right? So, so any good economic system is going to have redundancies built into it. Um, there, there really are a couple ways. So the, the first side of it is, is having a fixed supply, um, having some scarcity there, right? Um, having a fixed supply, at least, at, at least everybody knows, right? It's, it's transparent, it's clear, um, it's defined, right? Now our central banks can kind of inflate and deflate based on the, the, the amounts in circulation, and it balances it out. Um, 
but it leads to a lot of a lot of misaligned incentives there, right? Because the, the central bank itself can can really get that float or that hedge. For a redundancy or for, for an economic system like like the rainmaker that, that I was just discussing, right? Um, you do need a couple of redundancies built in, and, and what we've done is really twofold. So um, one is actually my my holding because I'm the fiduciary of the business. I'm, I'm legally bound and, and required to to maintain the the ecosystem and everything else, right? I hold um, two and a half percent, so so two and a half million coin, of which almost all of it's locked up, right? Um, what that means is that if there is an issue with the with the system, if there's ever a gridlock or anything like that, I must liquidate the coin and thus uh, kickstart the the market. The other side of it is creating new asset generation to keep that flow constantly going, right? Um, and, and you can think of this like a like a dam, right? You, you need some water to constantly be flowing. The way that we did that was we created a nonprofit fund that actually goes and just gives the coin to any inventors. Specifically, um, we, we started with third world countries, places like that. Um, they certainly still have amazing technologies and ideas. Uh, it's just really expensive for them to file patents in the US or China or anywhere else, right? There's an economic instability there. So that side, that fund has 5 million coin, right? 5% there of the overall. Um, however, if you look at both of these, because it is uh, a percentage of what's actually in the market, it ends up being a 15% um, supply that is constantly circulating, regardless of the actual open market, right? It ends up creating an intrinsic value for a lot of this, and, and it means that the assets themselves are constantly going. It actually helps with our algorithms and, and, and all as well. Um, but the, the point of it is that there will always be 15% that is not manipulatable. Um, it can keep a, a stable uh, value to it, continue to have assets that come in, and continue to contribute to, to society. Um, that's the. the a good economic system is always going to have redundancies, and that's why I really emphasize the engineering, right? One of the questions I ask all the time is, is it airworthy, right? Um, redundancies are extremely crucial, and I feel like a lot of the crypto businesses um, really haven't done enough uh, for that. The central banks have, have done quite a lot of them, but they've also figured out a lot of really good ways to get creative and manipulate them, right? So having this in a an auditable, transparent, and immutable fashion is is, is a much better much better fashion. Yes. I have a question because I'm studying film, so I'm always the person who really had the idea. Sometimes they're not the people who get paid. Absolutely, that, that, that's that's the underlying problem. Yeah. Yes. So what I want to ask you is we talked about uh, one of the case studies was um, lot. Lockies was being able to anyone to monetize ideas and inventions. Can you give us an actual case study where it was a small invent or someone who had an idea and they've actually been able to get that monetized using it? Yeah, so the exchange itself is not uh, is not live yet. Um, the platform, the underlying searching uh, and being able to stake is. Um, but the exchange side is not, right? In order to get the valuations themselves, uh, based on context, you need to have a certain number of critical mass of users in order to understand that context, right? So the way that we essentially derive this is we look at the way that things um, have been searched to discover exactly what inventions have come before, 
This is called prior art, right? So anytime somebody files a patent, they need to disclose and discover prior art. And the same goes for film, music, and all sorts of other things. People are already doing this classification. They're already doing this, you know, this research. We need to have a certain number of users that do this research in order to understand exactly what those things fundamentally were. Once we can get there, we can make this purely relative valuation because we're taking ourselves out of it, right? If we did an exchange now, it would have to be speculative in and speculative out, right? And that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to create a system where the inventors themselves, through just discovering new things or contributors themselves, through discovering new things, actually ends up determining how many variations or permutations there will be, right? We want to make a system where the people that are contributing are the only ones that are determining the value of those things, right? And then the markets themselves, the free markets, are the ones that are paying at their own speculation. So we want to, it, it's really important to go through those, those steps, right? Um, we have the searching tool already loaded. Um, is at LOCI.io. And there is a staking process right now. Um, we do have uh, full integration with blockchain, and we do have full integration with the, of the coin. Um, but getting towards that asset back currency side is, is going to take a little bit longer time. My second part, direct question would be, how would, because I know when they're small inventors or small like film screenwriters, mm -hmm. how would they find out and know about what you all are offering? Because to me, when I heard you talk, and I said, oh, I think that's going to be right now, maybe yet, because some of the big players are using reverse ones out there. So they're claiming things that really don't belong to them. How would the person sitting at home writing this great screenplay to be like the next Star Wars? How are you all going to be able to connect to them before anyone else gets to connect and claim? Well, I think we're trying to do it right now. I mean, I'm speaking to many people that I've never met before. Um, and you talking to your friends, right? Get, getting it out there. That's, that's organic growth. Um, marketing, PR, sales, this is how businesses grow, right? Um, the best thing is, hey, this is a great idea, right? Or this is an amazing thing. I want to support this. Get, you know, share it with your friends. Talk, talk to people about it, right? Um, and discover it more and more and more. Um, that's really the bulk of it. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.